institutions of higher wokeness. Yeah, that's what we appear to have here in Pittsburgh. Point Park University got the attention of Fox News today. The headline on their website says, Pennsylvania University tells students action could be taken if they use wrong pronouns. Yeah, it's uh, Point Park's Office of Equity and Inclusion. Incoming students were told about the, quote, misgendering, pronoun misuse, and deadnaming policy in an email that was uh, obtained by Campus Reform. And here's what it says, quote, uh, any individual who has been informed of another person's gender identity, pronouns, or chosen name is expected to respect that individual. Fox News couldn't get a clarification from Point Park when they asked what the action might be that would be taken against someone who would dare to call a man who thinks he's a woman, uh, him or her, him or his, or whatever would be the wrong pronoun to use. Anyway, then there's Carlo University, which is a Catholic school. And uh, according to a campus reform, it has something called, quote, Social Justice Institutes. And it sponsors programming and training that promote transgender identity, critical race theory, and anti-racism. They also facilitate, quote, allyship and anti-racism social justice training modules. How do you like that? For all incoming students, faculty, and staff, all that campus reform could get out of Carlo was a no comment. Imagine uh, paying... Thirty or forty thousand dollars a year to send your kid to one of these schools, knowing that they were going to have their time wasted on stuff like this, and apparently it's mandatory in, in some cases here, uh, and apparently it's becoming unavoidable no matter where you send your kid. We've been telling you about possible genocide taking place at Pitt. Uh, Carnegie Mellon, for some reason, has a branch campus in Cutter. Uh, college insanity is just about everywhere, and it's scary to think about what the effects of thousands and thousands of kids being forced to study this stuff is going to have uh, 10 or 20 years down the road. And speaking of uh, 20 years down the road, where are all the illegal immigrants who have been pouring into the country right now going to be then in, say, I don't know, 2045? And is what's happening on the Texas border no accident and part of the Democrats' game plan? Well, when we come back, we're going to talk to someone who makes that case. Stick around. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? Oh, hi, son. I thought I'd sing for the Legacy Box commercial. No, Dad, I want you to talk about Legacy Box, how it's the best way to digitize your family's home movies and photos. But there's no extra charge for singing. Thank you, but people need to understand that we can take old photos, VHS tapes, even film, and transfer them to DVD, thumb drive, or a digital download. Our trained technicians digitize everything by hand right here in the U.S. Don't worry, I'll cover all that. Legacy Box, Legacy Box, the best way to digitize home movies and photos so that they aren't lost. Proud of my son and his Legacy Box. Time's almost up. From sea to shining sea. Okay, I'll just read the rest of the ad then. Legacy Box is the best and easiest way to digitize your home movies and photos. Save 40% right now when you go to LegacyBox.com slash LBox. That's 40% off at LegacyBox.com slash LBox. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. 
right now people are home with their pets more often and I think especially with the shedding they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Olive got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching and itching and biting. But on top of that he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite, and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty. Warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrpittsburgh.com. Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess or linaclotide is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. There could be more to your story with IBSC. Talk to a doctor today. Say yes to Linzess. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Now, there's still chaos uh, on the Texas border, and today Jen Psaki was trying to explain where all the immigrants uh, from Haiti have gone, and nobody really knows how many are going to end up in the country permanently or where a lot of them are right now, as a matter of fact. It is chaos, but is it an accident? John Perrazzo and the David Horowitz Freedom Center published a booklet on that subject, and it says it is no accident. And John Perrazzo joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Nice to be with you, John. Thank you. So so how much of what we've been seeing down there, I mean, it just doesn't look like it could possibly be part of a plan, but is it? It is, uh, in the sense that... it's a piece of a puzzle. What we're seeing here is, a, is part of a Democrat strategy to basically import a massive block of new voters. Now, the, the Haitian 
the Haitian uh, incident, of course, grew organically. But I'm looking at the larger picture of the Biden administration's philosophy towards immigration and the border. And their, their plan, quite obviously, from the very beginning of, of his campaign, has been that they want to find many different, as many different ways as possible to import new voters into the country, potential voters, future voters, future Democrats. They understand that the Democrats haven't won the white vote in America in a presidential election since 1964. And they understand that their future rests in their ability to import new voters from south of the border, a new population of people who have already proven themselves to be very loyal Democrats. Uh, Hispanics vote at least 70% for the Democratic Party on a very consistent basis. And when they're polled, they, they speak about favoring a larger government, which is a typically Democrat position, uh, about, by about 75%, a uh, 75% majority, which compares to about a 40% uh, response rate for the rest of, of the United States. So what they want to do is they want to import a population that they feel they can count on to be loyal Democrats until the end of time. That's definitely what, that's exactly what they're doing. So uh, is... Um uh, you being accused of being a racist for saying what you just said part of the plan because that's what that's what happens anytime you anytime anybody suggests what you just suggested yes that is part of the plan it's a way to cow people into compliance and silence uh, but we actually know sometimes what we find is that the Democrats themselves uh, kind of reveal unwittingly sometimes uh, what they have in mind we saw this with a, of all people, uh, a woman named Jennifer Palmieri. I mentioned this in the pamphlet. And she used to be the communications director for Hillary. And back a couple of years ago, Ms. Palmieri called on Democrats to, as aggressively as possible, support Barack Obama's DACA program, the former President Barack Obama's DACA program. She said she did this during the Trump campaign. But she was encouraging Democrats to be absolutely relentless in... Uh, pushing for DACA to be formally, uh, to, to become laws, essentially, and not just an executive order. And she actually said that the reason we need to do this is because the population protected by DACA, which are young illegals, is, quote, and she said this, a critical component of the Democratic Party's future electoral success, unquote. Those were her exact words. And that is is a very revealing statement, and there are other, there have been others by Democrats, but that's one of the more uh, revealing glimpses into the mindset of the Democratic Party. And of course, that is portrayed as the Democrats having just tremendous compassion for the poor, uh, the the downtrodden, and uh, everybody who's trying to come across the border, and uh, portraying the Republicans as being cold-hearted, racist, uh, whatever else they want to call them, for not going along with us. So they, they, and it's still, despite her coming right out and saying that, the way that they're portraying it is that we are compassionate and you are not. Correct. That's part of the that's part of the psychology of what they're doing. Um, but whom they don't have compassion for is the American population. We know now, contrary to what we've been told by the media over the years, we know now that 
if the legals in this country occupy account for about three and a half percent of the population, we know that they're responsible for about a shade over 13 percent of all crimes that are uh, committed, and that includes about 12 percent of murders. 16% of drug traffickers and something like 20 or 21% of all inmates in federal prisons. So a three to three and a half percent of the population is, a, is, a, is responsible for a significantly higher proportion of crime in this country. So a lack of vetting and a lack of regulation of the border so that we can actually import people who we want to come here and actually make this country better, and which many, of course, many uh, uh, migrants do. But we're getting a lot of people who obviously are not people that we should be taking into the country, and that shows a, a, an absolute, complete absence of compassion for Americans who are already here, living here, including immigrants, legal immigrants, who have come here through legal channels. Uh, they don't want to be exposed to this any more than Native Americans do. And what is the Cloward-Piven strategy? Well, that's something that was named, that's a strategy that, uh, named after two sociologists who used to uh, teach at uh, Columbia University, Richard Cloward and his wife, Frances Fox Piven. It's a strategy. Uh, they didn't name it. The people who studied their, their tactics named it. And basically what it means is that it's a strategy that they devised in the 1960s of overwhelming a system. They did it. They they uh, they devised a strategy to overwhelm the um, the welfare system in the United States. The purpose of it was to bring the system crashing down so that people would grasp for a lifeline from wherever they could find it. People would panic. There would be chaos, and they would be more open at that point to accept a big government socialist solution to their problems. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the theory. Chaos and panic leads to people being afraid and looking to the government for solutions and for a lifeline. So that same philosophy is now being employed here by the Biden administration, creating chaos on the border, bringing the border security bureaucracy crashing to its knees as a pretext now for the Democrats offering the solution, so the quote-unquote solution, be it in the form of amnesty, be it in the form of a path to citizenship, essentially saying that, look, we have a broken system. They call it broken. They don't tell you how it broke, but they call it a broken system. We have to do something. These people have been living here. Uh, as Biden has often said about, many illegal, uh, about most of the illegals living in this country, he says they're Americans in every way except by name. So that's the theory, is to convince, to convince Americans that the only way out of this mess is to essentially put them on a path to citizenship, and then from there start from scratch, and then supposedly guard the borders. That's always been the promise. Yeah, and uh, I understand that Saul Alinsky's fingerprints are all over this. Well, you know, Alinsky is long dead. But uh, Cloward and Piven were, were ideological comrades of Alinsky. Alinsky said that Alinsky urged left-wing activists to orchestrate crisis. And, and the, the purpose of orchestrating the crisis was to spark panic and to spark chaos, just like Cloward and Piven. So they, they saw the world the same way. They understood that the way to, to bring about radical change was to create fear and panic. And in fact, when they, when they tried to overwhelm and successfully overwhelmed the, uh, 
the welfare system in the 1960s, they made a point of saying that we can't get anywhere until the rest of society is afraid of us. They made it very clear that they actually used those words. And that is, uh, that's a key element in, in, in this strategy, instilling fear in the population to the point where we, really, we, we look to big government to save us, to provide a lifeline for us. Yeah, so um, the, 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 uh, the strategy is to get people to be afraid of what's going on. I mean, but uh, uh, how, do you, how do you go about overwhelming the welfare system? Uh, just getting more people, uh, uh, making more people aware that, this, that, that the welfare is out there for them and making sure that every single person uh, puts pressure on the government to get every single penny they can get? Yeah, that's what they did in the 60s. Uh, they, they, Flowered and Piven uh, appointed a radical uh, organizer by the name of George Wiley to start something called the National Welfare Rights Organization. And he started, a, essentially, that, that developed about 500 chapters that fanned out across the country. And these radical activists raided offices, welfare offices, in a very loud and sometimes violent manner demanding, like just like you said, demanding every penny that they were quote-unquote entitled to. And the strategy, again, was to, to generate panic and fear in the, in the bureaucracy and the people working in these offices. And by, by extension, they generated a tremendous amount of fear nationwide among the population and especially among our political leaders who were terrified of this, this explosive volcanic uh, movement that they saw, and they, would, they wanted to do anything to keep it under wraps and to, and to tamp it down. And that's exactly they made all types of concessions, and once that movement grew, uh, welfare roles in this country almost tripled nationwide, and in New York City in particular, which I mentioned in the pamphlet, it, it multiplied by a factor of about a thousand percent and brought the city literally into bankruptcy by the mid-1970s. And Cloward and Piven were happy about that because the, pro the point of doing that was to cause the system to collapse and crumble and then make the, make the political leaders realize that the only solution was to, was to create an alternative that was even more generous than the existing system, an alternative that, was even, that would expend even more money on welfare benefits and that's exactly what they did and it brought new york into bankruptcy and what was their vision at the time and what uh, not to mention what it probably still is now but what, what was their vision did they did they were they were they uh dreaming of a soviet style country that they could live in and be in charge of yes they were they, they were members of the Democratic Socialists of America, Cloward and Piven, and all of their uh, foot soldiers uh, followed that philosophy. Their, their ideal was to turn America from this imperial beast, imperialistic beast, they used to call it, into a, a socialist nation. And so one of the things that they demanded was not only increased welfare, but part of the increased welfare benefits was they demanded an, a guaranteed wage for every person in the country. Back in the late 60s, it was a, 
about $5,500 a household, uh, $5,500 to $6,500 depending on the year that you look at. And that was part of that was part of turning the country into a socialist paradise, as they saw it. So they said that welfare benefits, as they exist today, are far too meager to lift anybody out of poverty and bring them into affluence. But they're just enough, you know, to make people uh, happy with them and remain dependent on them and keep them from rebelling against the system that is doling out a few scraps to them. Their, their vision was to make the welfare system much more, they would use the word generous, but essentially turn people into wards of the state and really turn into a socialist society. We're talking to John Perrazzo of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, and he's published a, a pamphlet. Uh, where can people find your pamphlet, John? They can uh, find it at the David Horowitz Freedom Center uh, website. It's available for a very nominal fee. And uh, it's also available at frontpagemagazine.com uh, uh, for free, actually. They, yeah. About, uh, what is today, Thursday? On Tuesday, they, it was, the contents of it were printed uh, in their entirety, so people can read it for free if they go back to Tuesday. Um, and this, this uh, crashing the system method, um, is it something that they – are these people sitting around uh, coming up with different systems they can crash? Or do they see an opportunity like what started to happen at the border and say, okay, here we go, there's a problem there, let's make it worse? Yeah, they, they see the opportunity. Uh, the, the test run for the whole – the whole the whole uh, strategy was the welfare system in the 1960s. After that, they actually te- tested their strategy against the second system, which was the uh, election electoral system. And what they did is they pushed for election. Uh, they, they pushed essentially for a, they, uh, what they called a voting rights movement, starting in 1982. And the purpose there was to overwhelm the voter rolls, the voter registration rolls, with many, many millions of people whose identities couldn't be verified. And um, what happened is over the next, by 1993, they passed something called the Motor Voter Law, which made it extremely difficult to to check the validity of voter registrations, etc. And in the four years following that, the country's voter rolls expanded by more than 20%, something like 25, 26 million people. And that was an era where we really saw a, a steep increase in the number of charges of what they, what they, 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 they called it. Uh, we saw a steep increase in unverifiable voter, uh, voter rolls where the names of, of people who are dead and, and uh, fel- convicted felons, people who have moved out of their, their voting districts, people who have moved out of state, were all over the place. So the, there was no longer any kind of regulation and oversight of the voter registration rolls, and it led to many, many instances of, of problems where election results were questioned, and that's exactly what Cloward and Piven wanted. They wanted this to happen because then, when the voter registration rolls are basically unpol- can't be policed, elections can then be uh, manipulated and tampered with, and therefore you can become more successful in winning elections. And if in those cases you lose elections, well, you simply blame the, the loss on the fact that the quote-unquote system is broken. And the, the apex of that happened in the 2000 
presidential election when we had the um, the Florida the Florida crisis yeah. with the uh, the disputed election. This was all. This all came out of the voting rights movement, where it, where it became absolutely impossible for uh, election boards to keep an uh, to keep a, an accurate record of who was on their voter rolls and who was legitimately on them and who was illegitimately on them. Yeah, I got less than a minute left here, John. I want to finish up real quick. Um, I'm guessing that uh, Cloward and Piven would have loved clo- uh, COVID nineteen. Oh yes, very, very much so. Um, the fact that so many of the election laws that were and regulations that were passed in the months preceding the 2020 election uh, were passed specifically on the pretext that they were necessary uh, because of COVID-19, particularly the massive infl- increase in mail-in voting, which is known to be the, the most unreliable and uh, the most susceptible to fraud, the most susceptible method, uh, method susceptible to fraud, uh, turned the election into something that so many millions of people have no confidence in. And that is exactly what Cloward and Piven were, were all about. Yes. Okay, well, hey, I am out of town, time, and it's uh, you can find it at frontpagemag.com, and it's pretty scary stuff. I appreciate you coming on to tell us about it, John. Thank you. It was my pleasure, John. Okay, that's John Perrazzo, and we will be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Mexican authorities are now moving to expel Haitians who have been gathering in large numbers at a border town along the Rio Grande. More from Jennifer King. Haitian migrants who've been camping in Mexico in a riverside park in Ciudad Acuna awoke surrounded by Mexican security forces as a helicopter thundered overhead. A fence line and a line of state police vehicles funneled migrants back to the crossing point they've been using all week. Dozens of families opted to hustle into the river and cross the border to Texas, calculating it was better to take their chances with U.S. authorities. Meanwhile, Mexican National Guard and immigration agents led overnight raids at hotels in Ciudad Acuna, where Haitian migrants had been staying. People who were detained were let out with their hands secured behind their backs and loaded into a van. I'm Jennifer King. On Wall Street, all three major indexes now up over 1%. This is SRN News. Right now, people are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Olive got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Ziggy, scratching and itching and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite, and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Okay, we admit it. Pittsburgh is famous for steel. But what about all the other things we're famous for? Take 1980, when we invented the emoticon. How's that for a smiley face? And the terrible towel. Come on, who else can turn a common household item into a sports icon? 
the Big Mac? Yeah, that was us in 1967. So we figured if we like it, so will America. And boy, were we right. You get it. We get it. But this station gets you. AM 1250. The answer. Why doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling? As an Owens Corning Roofing Platinum Preferred Contractor, it's simple. It's in their name. They're doing it right, and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Want it done right? Call doing it right. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. If you're suffering from cold, flu, or COVID symptoms, you need an accurate temperature reading as quickly as possible. Fever is a leading symptom of both the flu and COVID-19. So the sooner you rule out the common cold, the better. Then seek medical advice on whether your fever means it's the flu or the deadlier COVID-19. Accuracy matters, so use the Exergen Temporal Scanner, the same thermometer used by medical professionals millions of times a day in hospitals and clinics to accurately detect fever. Learn more at exergen.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We're all tied up on the Parkway East inbound between Forest Hills and the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Delay of at least 10 minutes through there. Also on the inbound side downtown to the Fort Pitt Bridge is backed up. Outbound heavy into the tunnel. About a five-minute delay. Parkway West congested inbound. Carnegie to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Look out for an accident on Jane Street at South 23rd. Inbound Crosstown Boulevard slowing into Liberty Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight. A jacket may come in handy as we'll reach a low of 49. Mostly sunny skies for tomorrow. A great day to be outside. We'll see a high of 69. Tomorrow night, mainly clear skies with a low once again of 49. Saturday, some sunshine will give way to clouds with a passing shower in the afternoon. A little bit cooler with a high of 66. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, just when we thought John Durham had been, uh, just when we thought he'd been kidnapped by the Russians, uh, John finally came down with an indictment a few days ago. Most conservatives had given up on anything coming from his investigation into Russiagate. And not too many have a lot of confidence right now in anything coming from his indictment of Hillary's lawyer, But Victoria Taft of PJ Media makes a pretty good case that this could end up being the most corrupt scandal in U.S. history. Victoria joins us now. Thanks for being here, Victoria, again. Great to be with you and your world. (laughs) So why is this about more than the indictment of Hillary's lawyer, a guy named Michael Sussman? Yeah, sure, that's bad enough. But it's what the the 27-page indictment says about the incident behind why this guy was accused and indicted for lying to the government, lying to the FBI, lying to Congress and a couple of other groups of people. And it has to do with the people he used 
to come up with this information that they hope to get together and call through to create a narrative, as they called it, to make it look as if Trump had ties with a Russian bank, the Alpha Bank. And the information that they used uh, was gained from a person who had high aspirations. He wanted to be a cybersecurity guy in the absolutely going to happen Hillary Clinton White House in 2017. And he had a couple of companies that he dealt with and was a part of, in addition to a government contract that was soon to be coming online in which he would use university researchers that believed that it's Georgia Tech researchers um, to call through this information for this government contract that was going to be used on how to, to, to combat cyber cyber bullies and cyber attacks on the United States security systems. And so he used those people, he used the information gleaned from this, uh, this information, this quote unquote unpublic in the words of the indictment information to create a narrative, brought people on board to do that, explained it to the college researchers and said, this is the plan we're trying to connect Trump to Russia. And indeed, during the conversations about what they were going to do, they realized that, of course, there were a couple of things that were wrong with the plan. A, uh, the Trump obviously didn't have any connections. And B, they um, didn't think that they could actually pull this off without giving away sources and methods and how they did it. But nevertheless, they pulled it together, and the attorney, the Hillary Clinton attorney, who was also a cyber expert, he he was a former federal prosecutor who dealt with specifically cyber crimes. This is Sussman, and he put the, Yeah, this yeah. is Michael Sussman, okay. Hillary Clinton's attorney who went to work after that to, to make, his, uh, make his kids' college fund and to cover that. And uh, he works for Perkins Coie, of course, the notoriously uh, widespread and very much Democratic uh, law firm. And so uh, he used that information called to try and literally whitewash a white paper that he would shop around to the media, to the FBI, literally had a meeting with the FBI general counsel, why he chose that individual with whom to have a meeting, unclear, except he went right, almost right to the top. This guy was the general counsel to the, the head of the FBI and probably knew him from his other, you know, previous days of working uh, with the feds at the DOJ, and so uh, got the meeting and then proceeded to lie about for whom he was giving away this information, which, of course, was Hillary. Hillary Clinton, in fact, uh, John Durham got a hold of all of the records, all of his billing records, to uh, the Clinton uh, campaign and discovered that all of the meetings, all of the papers, all of every, all y'all, was charged to the Hillary Clinton campaign. So Durham not only got the billing records, he got the emails, he double-checked everything every which way but Sunday and found out that this guy was using, uh, was doing this on behalf of Hillary Clinton and, in fact, goes into exquisite detail about how he used this information. Now, you might not think that after the DOG goes or DOJ goes all south on, on conservatives and how they're keeping people behind bars for months at a time. And, you know, you, you might think, well, gee, I mean, they've totally lost their rudderless. They've totally lost their true north. Clearly, uh, they don't care anything about uh, justice. They just care about politics. And, and you would probably be right. But there's a point at which you say, 
you know, you just can't have government contractors stealing information and using it for political aims, which is what it says he did, although the John Durham indictment <clears throat> never says any, anything about a conspiracy, which I find interesting. And uh, why, why is that it's interesting? Totally a conspiracy. Well, it's because they're not ready to they're not ready to show that hand yet. Oh, okay. I think he's, he he put it out there. He's, as he beat the statute of limitations. Uh, he did that, and he and he put all of the additional information out there. And I'm hoping, and I imagine after all this time, there's people who know that who who they are, them tech executive one, and all the other researcher one, researcher two. Maybe they'll come forward if they haven't already to uh, spill beans on uh, this tech executive one and Michael Sussman. Yes. Um, my guess is that this has been so long in coming that I have to believe that they've already done that. And he's just not showing that hand right now. And, and let's hope that he has more information about this because this is a damned conspiracy. Yeah. And uh, for you, you describe, you call it quite possibly the worst scandal in American history. Um, from what you're describing, in order to uh, live up to that title, it has to be a major conspiracy, and what you just described is a conspiracy that includes the Clinton campaign, uh, someone in big tech, college researchers. Uh, that's a pretty uh, – uh, the media would be involved, uh, whether they uh, – maybe not quite as blatantly as everybody else, but um, it, it would require a pretty good conspiracy to make everything happen that you just described. And they that makes it a big, big deal. Oh, yeah. They poison everything that they come into contact with. They, they besmirch, they bring down uh, and pollute everything they have something to do with, from their attorney, their law firm. I mean, you know, you and I, we're, we're, we've been around long enough. We know that there's some chicanery, shenanigans going on in political stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for example, I mean, the Hunter Biden laptop story, right. great example, true story. We've mm-hmm. all know, we all know that. And uh, now a year later, the, the media come on board and go, oh, yeah, you know, you know, could have been true. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, and choosing not to do anything. Like here's here's the Trump campaign touting that story. That's the way they used to do it. You know, like you just go like, hey, this is this is have the added bonus of not just being a late hit in a political race, but it also happens to be a late hit that's true. And so, um, but here you have in the Hillary Clinton campaign, talk about playing your three-dimensional chess. She's using every part of government in service to her campaign and the Democrat Party to elect her. And it is shocking to me. Absolutely Uh, shocking. And she can't do that if Barack Obama's not president and the Democrats aren't in control. Oh, exactly. I mean, here's another situation, John, in which we find out, you know, all these the FBI guys lying on the FISA warrants and all that stuff. Those are things about which we know. This is in addition to it. And they're all working and they're all they're all playing it out there and allowing their 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 arses to be hung out because they know that she's going to win and they won't have to hide anything because she's going to be their boss and it's going to be fine. Yeah, that, that's um, the thing that, that didn't that, happen. Yeah, that's the thing that I think has been kind of forgotten because it's been a while. And, you know, Donald Trump was president for four years and it's been five years since he was elected and blah, blah, blah. Um, but this is none of this happens unless they are 1000 percent sure that they're going to win and that, you know, this will all just go away as soon as she's inaugurated. Right. <laughs> 
I mean, it's yeah, not, it yeah, sure. it's not, yeah, there's I mean, no way that, they do this if they don't think she. There's any chance she's going to lose. They never would have made taken any of these risks. Well, yes, and you already have, and you see this all the time. The outcome-based polling that occurs before an election, in which they they sort of dream cast on their data and go, well, you know, if we squint and you know just look at the the, the horizon at just the right time, we'll see her winning, or we'll see her winning in double digits, and it's going to be a it's going to be a washout of Donald Trump. Well, they kept doing this. They do this every doggone election for the Democrats, and what happened? He beat her. Yeah, but but so, here's the here's the thing though, Victoria. We're talking. Well, they, to, they believe their own polls is my point. Yeah, but here's the thing. We're talking to Victoria Taft of PJ uh, Media. You can see this piece at pjmedia.com. We don't really have the time or the ability to get into it as deeply as uh, she d- did in the piece. But there's really some great stuff in there, Victoria. Um, but here's the thing. You're, you're talking about them doing this because they don't care. Uh, they don't worry about getting caught because they're going to be in charge and they just push everything under the rug and forget about it. But if they were so convinced that they were going to win, why would they do this? It's, all, it's all kind of like Watergate where Nixon well, was going to win 49 states and he, he risked it all by and, and lost it all. He didn't know. He didn't know. He did not know he was going to win 49 states. It was not, it was not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, believable or expected in August of 1974, 73. Just so was it's not so, clear. So, okay, but you think for, but, for Nixon. but did the did the Clinton people think it was clear that they were going to win? And oh, it was it was did. clear Absolutely. that they were going to win. I mean, to everybody. Well, I mean, they needed they needed to shut him up for good. Um, and sure, I think they felt that they were going to. But maybe in their own internal polls, maybe they found out. Well, gee, you know, they started this caper in July. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but um, I mean, they started doing some preliminary stuff in the the spring, and that it really came into fruition in the summer, right before the election. So maybe their internal polling showed that you know this was not a done deal. Certainly, in the Trump polling, they knew that she was very vulnerable. People hated her. You can't. I mean, honestly, you really do have to have it's politician one hundred and one. People actually do have to like you, and yeah. um, they hated her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. Uh, it couldn't. You, it's pretty hard to be more unlikable than Hillary Clinton, for, uh, politician well, yeah. or not. Just, just as just as a human being. Um, so, uh, so um, who is this tech executive one going to turn out to be? And is he somebody that uh, they've already gotten what they need out of him? And it's about him singing that, that that's going to be make him important. Um, well, there's there's open uh, speculation on who it is, and it's a guy who works for a company uh, that specializes, as you might imagine, in cyber crimes, and he is well entrenched in Democratic circles. And he got this he got this uh, contract, and he was doing it to further Hillary Clinton's campaign and with an added bonus. Hey, you know, as long as we got this intel that we've that we're using that we have to use to prove up our contract to show them that we could do what we say we're going to do. Let's just go through and, and by the way, let's just use it to find connections between Trump and alpha bank, but they didn't stop there. Oh no, John, they talked about creating the links. They talked about planting information. Yeah, you talked about, you, you talked about creating a narrative and you have that in your piece. But the, mm-hmm. the, the other thing that's interesting to me is that it's creating a narrative and an inference. Some people get the yes. word inference wrong, but an inference is what, is what happens on the other end of your implication, which right. means exactly. that uh, what we're doing here is going to create the 
perception that we want. And uh, whether yeah. it's true or not, that's what we're going to create, right? And they and what they did was they wanted to do that because they knew they couldn't prove it with the crap they had. They had data. They knew it didn't prove anything. Um, and the people, the researchers said, hey, you know, there's nothing here, really. There's, and you know what uh, Andy McCarthy writes, uh, or I uh, was talking on his podcast the other day about what this, what this email traffic likely was. And it was probably all these people who'd stayed at Trump properties around the world. And, um, and they send them, you know, those, those nuisance emails all the time. Well, like, thank you for staying at the Trump properties. We're having a sale this week on this particular property, you know, that kind of a thing. That's what they were using to, to bring this sort of connection between these two groups. Um, and the inference was for the, for the dumb reporters who didn't know what they were looking at. I'll count myself among those two. Um, where you can look at a bunch of data or a bunch of code. Oh, well, hell, I don't know what that is. I mean, and so they, but they knew that people who knew code would know and would know that this was just utter nonsense. So um, they had to play both ends, and yeah. so they did. And I, something that I call uh, wishful thinking journalism—that's uh, that that uh, really became yeah. uh, prominent with Donald Trump because the media hated uh, Trump so much. That they uh, they wanted whatever bad is said about him to be true so much that they were willing to just uh, just I don't know um, leave their brains at the door and accept anything that was fed to them and it was hey we'll go with this. The whole the, the idea that you know Hillary Clinton eats babies and stuff like that all this nonsense they said worse things about Trump well, you know uh, we have a bunch of left wing conspiracy theorists out there who are who are casting all kinds of doubt on, on Donald Trump and making stuff up. And, um, you know, you ever hear about those. It's all about Q and all about these crazy people. It's all about something else. And, you know, all those crazy right-wingers. Well, shoot, I mean, uh, it, there there's some crazy people on the left, too. I mean, you see them in the streets and you see them, you know, rioting and you see them in the office and you know, AOC and Eat the Rich. And, I mean, these people are nuts. Right. Would would getting uh, well just getting Sussman? It wouldn't. Would it make any sense for all this stuff that uh, John Durham is doing uh, to end up with just getting Sussman? It can't be, right? Well, they got Klein Smith. He's back practicing law. How would you like to have that guy who lied on a FISA warrant <laughs> yeah. as your attorney? Oh yeah, yeah no problem. Um, and that's outrageous. Uh, so the Sussman thing will probably end up not being that much of a, a deal. It's just the background stuff that will come out that spelled out a conspiracy. If he leaves it there, if John Durham leaves it there, you will have just one very, very deeply upset uh, uh, political base uh, of people who believe that you know there are two two uh, kinds of justice: one for them and one for the rest of us. And I don't know, can you really can so, we afford to continue that Trump? I mean, no. honestly. So is he only so he's only important if he's the tip of a pretty big iceberg. Otherwise it's I, Yeah. I mean, I think this goes to a conspiracy. It's clear that that's what he's talking about. And um although as I say he doesn't, but you got in conspiracy, I mean, they usually try to get people in conspiracy and and that sort of thing. But, uh, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't actually use it. But I think in order to have a conspiracy, he has to sort of make sure everything is locked down for the rest of the conspirators. Um, and I sure wish he'd um, indict Hillary Clinton, but that's probably never going to happen. She's uh, off the table, I'm sure. I think that's what Bill Barr said. So, Why do you think she's off um, the table? 
I don't know, because I think she's just uh, untouchable. <laughs> just because she's Hillary Clinton. She's, yeah, she's, she's Hillary Clinton. I mean, I'd like to, as much as the next guy, to see her, you know, pay for this treachery, yeah. this political treachery that she's done. And um, and I think she's due. She should pay for it. I mean, this is just an outrage. What people are uh, willing to do in her service is just amazing to me. I mean, can you imagine if Trump had even done a, a scintilla of that? It is truly amazing. And the other lesson to be gleaned from this is, is uh, an interesting one. You know, if you guys are going to stay in the game, Republicans, you might have to get even dirtier than even you thought you'd have to get. You got, you got nothing compared to these people. I mean, it's just stunning. Abs- I mean, I'm not, I don't advise that. I think it's terrible. But I'm saying, I mean, these guys are pikers compared to the Democrats. It's amazing. Yeah, and Isn't people wonder. <laughs> people underestimate the Democrats' um, uh, zeal and willingness to do whatever it takes to win, and the Republicans just don't have the same thing. Uh, Vic- Victoria, I'm out of time, and boy, what it's really a great piece. Uh, I I love that. That's why I wanted to com- you to come on the show because uh, you you made it. You you showed what getting Sussman is all about. It's a big big deal. We hope. Yeah, and it's, it's the beginning it's, of something. It's more than a big deal. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. Hey, Victoria, thanks. thanks Always great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, and, che- and check it out at pjmedia.com. We'll be right back. Right now, people are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Nala's got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching and itching and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite and in our first box. We noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I'll finish with a little sports comment here, if you don't mind. Uh, I talked about this on Twitter today. You can find me on Twitter, by the way, at Steigerworld. Uh, but... Um, Taunting in the NFL is a big uh, subject, at least it was this weekend. Um, and there are a lot of people upset about some penalties that have been called. Some of them seemed like they're kind of stupid um, for guys uh, taunting after a, a good play. Uh, different forms of it. One was a guy that just kind of, I think it was a receiver, he caught a touchdown pass, he got up in the end zone and right kind of in the, the defender's, uh, defensive back's uh, face, he spun the ball on the turf and kind of gave him a look and he got a flag for it um and i and i made me think about something uh and 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 most of my friends in the sports media i think think that it's ridiculous and that taunting shouldn't be a big deal then i got to thinking about it and if you there there is there uh, there are a few things more gutless than taunting someone when you know that the person you're taunting can't do anything to you about it they can't punch you in the mouth. They can't. They can't do anything because they're going to get penalized. Uh, they can't. They can't retaliate to your taunting. 
So uh, it's gutless, and it's kind of girly, if you if I'm allowed to use that expression, because it's something that a, a woman or a girl uh, can think she can get away with by physically assaulting a guy or doing something to a guy, knowing that the, because she's a female, the guy is going to be reluctant to give her back what he gave her. So then I started thinking about it. Can you imagine, have you noticed that there's no taunting in hockey? And do you know why there's no taunting in hockey? Because if you taunt somebody, you get Punched in the face. That's what happens. You drop the gloves and everybody fights, and I kind of like that. Can you imagine a goal scorer taunting a goalie after a goal? His own teammates would beat the crap out of him. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.